0: Thank you, Roxanne. Lovely time of worship. Thank you, David. That was a great time of worship today. Really appreciate it. I love the story. You know, Jace, who used to lead worship here a lot, he's actually played with Matt He's the nickname him, Fat Redman, because he put on a lot of weight later on, but of course, Jace did too. So he said it, you know, with himself in mind as well. <laughs> uh, years ago, actually, I was at a Hillsong conference and Matt Redman was... Um,
1: uh, speaking
0: on songwriting and so forth, and I actually directly asked him quite a few questions about it. Being a bit of a songwriter myself, and uh, look, he's such a mature guy. But I tell you what, speaking of maturity, young Joel Houston was there. That's um, a Brian Houston's son, who by the, he, just around that time he'd he'd written that song um, "Every Day It's You I Live For," you know, which was very very popular around the world. And you know, people were trying to ask him questions too. And I remember him saying, oh, look, just ask Matt. He's so much more spiritual than I am and he's a lot more articulate. Just ask him, seriously. Because there's a little panel of three of them up there. But I just thought, you know, isn't that interesting coming from that young lad, just his humility there? You you know, because when you're young and you've got all that kind of notoriety as a songwriter all over the world, but, you know, his humility was very apparent there. And Matt, he is right. Matt is very articulate. (laughs) Uh, why don't we have a word of prayer before we start our message today? Shall we pray together? Father, we want to give you thanks, Lord, that you are the almighty God. It is Pentecost Sunday. And although that's not my primary message today, nevertheless, I want to pray that uh, so a few scriptures do mention that today. I want to pray that there just might be that fresh encounter with your spirit this day, throughout this week, throughout this month, throughout this year. May there be new, impressive, remarkable touches of your spirit in every life throughout this church, throughout Melbourne, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, because we, we have a bunch of baptism candidates, and so, look, I thought I should really speak on baptism today and just give that a fresh kind of lift, what's baptism all about I've been a part of some quite memorable baptism events over the years. Um, I'll mention a few of them. The very first time I did a baptism ceremony, uh, it was in a beachy area. I'd been, um, as a young adult, I got saved when I was about 22. And as a young adult, I started getting opportunity to preach around various churches and especially youth groups. And uh, anyway, there were three 17-year-old ladies wanted me to do, do a baptism ceremony, but they didn't want it straightforward. They wanted it at dawn, at the ocean, in a little place called Boat Harbour. Let's have a look at the image of Boat Harbour. So it's a pretty little beach, but this was just right at the beginning of spring. The water was freezing, you know. So we hop in these cars. It's dark. We drive all the way to Boat Harbour. It was about an hour and a half for most of us. And um, anyway, uh, we wade out into the water. It's light by now. We wade out into the water. We're there for five minutes, and and I, I say to the girls, girls, um. I know it's light, but I don't reckon the sun's going to rise for a while. We could be standing here for a while. you sure you want to go back for a bit? And they're like, no, 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 we might miss the moment.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: We stand for another five minutes. Teeth are chattering. We stand for another five minutes. Lips are turning blue. We were there for nearly 20 minutes before the sun rose. Well, we conducted the service. Lovely, lovely ceremony. We came back on the beach. um, And I tell you what, it was so cold in that water. A big sea lion, big black sea lion. He comes up out of the water, lays back on the beach. He, even he was feeling it, the cold. <laughs> and then um, some chap in the background says, and they were all sealed with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he had to be there. It was funny at the time. <laughs> uh, another one, which was a beach one, but the opposite extremes. Right in the middle of summer, it was boiling hot. And all the, those three girls were all church background. This one was very, very different. These guys were not from a church background at all. In fact, one of the guys I was baptising was a chap called Mick. He was on the run from the law because he'd burnt down a shopping centre. So he'd skipped states and uh, he was uh, kind of hiding out. But in the journey of all that, when I first met the guy, he had a gun and a bandana. I mean, he was a pretty wild dude. But we were reaching out to wild dudes at the time. We led him to Christ. And so he came to the point where he decided, look, I, you know, I need to turn myself in. I need to face up the responsibilities of what I've done, but could I be baptised before I do that? And of course we said, of course. So we ran a baptism service. There were other wild people there too. In fact, the guy filming it all used to be he'd recently come to faith in Christ. He was a Satanist priest. I'll tell you his story possibly next week. Um, But, you know, it it, it was crazy who was being baptised there. It was very, very uh, exciting baptism service. Yeah, he did turn himself in and he got uh, seven years, by the way. I represented him in court, obviously didn't do a very good job. (laughs) But he did get out on parole after 18 months. I went to visit him a couple of times and he was witnessing the people in in the prison. It was just lovely stuff. Um, Let me give you one more and this is probably the most outrageous one of all really. Um, It it does certainly, we are a Baptist church if you're new here and wonder what on earth denomination are we. um, We're Baptist and so baptism is pretty important to us and um, so on my wedding day, I kid you not, this is my wife Pamela over here.
1: On my wedding
0: day, um, Pamela was running late, and she was running late because the guy um, who was driving them all there, my brother in law, uh, he got lost. <laughs> he got lost. So the bridesmaid and Pamela, they were lost. And you get this moment on video um, Pamela's mum frantically running up to the MC, a chap called David. David! David! They've lost the bridal car. <laughs> it's very funny. Anyway, we we've got, we had a fair bit of service because we're expecting Pamela would be late because she runs late for everything. But this was this was <laughs> this was seriously late. And so we'd been through all the ceremonies and oh we would had fairly long praise and worship time. David gave a talk and stuff. Our MC and you know, the time was up though. And It was like time for Pamela and the bridesmaids to be arriving. There's a big crowd of people. There's a lot of unchurched there. So I thought. I'm going to preach. So I did. Shared the gospel. And at our reception, I kid you not, there was a pool there. I baptised two guys. Seriously. (laughs) Uh, Let me share why baptism is important. Let's have a look at Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why is baptism important? Well, we, we see there that Jesus is saying to his disciples, it's, it's like he's about to be ascended. He's about to ascend into heaven. And these are his parting words. Remember, guys, I want you to get out there. You've got to share the gospel. You've got to make disciples. And a part of the process of making disciples, baptize them in my name. First reason baptism is important is this. Baptism, number one, baptism is commanded by Jesus.
1: Baptism is
0: commanded by Jesus.
1: Now, baptism
0: is not just a, a a ceremony in and of itself. It actually indicates something's happened in that person's life. Two things. Let me have a look at the first of these. Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved. Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved. Now, one of our baptism candidates, because I always ask them, what's a scripture that's impacted you recently? And one of our new believers has said, that's a scripture he's picked. That's impacted him. Which is great. Whoever believes and is baptized, what does it mean? It means that you must have faith. You don't just dunk people because it's a ceremony. You dunk people because something's happened in their heart. They've come to believe. Now, what do we mean by believe? If the person has come, what Mark is meaning when he says this, the person has come to believe that Jesus truly is the divine son of God. That he is the, the way to salvation. He is both Lord and Saviour. So the person has come to accept that truth. Another scripture is this one, and this is one from the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance is another key. Now, what does it mean to repent? Sometimes people say, oh, I've done, not this time, but a previous bunch of seven or so or baptized Um I remember asking the question, what does repentance mean? And one of the guys said, it means to be sorry. Not really, no. What is repentance? Not sorry for sins. No, no, repentance really means a change of mind, change of heart, change of direction. The person who is is repenting, they might be travelling in this direction, doing their own thing, doing what society says they should do, whatever. They turn around. Repentance has to do with a change of direction, a change of heart, change of mind. So two things, faith in Jesus and also a change of direction where I'm going to do Jesus' thing now, not my own thing or
1: society's thing.
0: Number two, faith and repentance precede baptism. Faith and repentance precede baptism. Now, how were people baptized? Back in the first century, well, we have some descriptions. Let me tell you about one of them. This is this involves again. This is as a result of the day of Pentecost. This is a, a, a guy who's a very important official from Ethiopia.
1: He's the treasurer
0: to Queen Candace, and uh, he's he's been along to the day this Pentecost celebrations in Jerusalem to to, to celebrate the one Almighty God. And, and there on that day of Pentecost, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Many people impacted. Probably he was as well. And he, he wanted to purchase some scriptures. So he bought himself the scroll of Isaiah. And he's having a read to him on his chariot on the way back to Ethiopia. Philip gets a prompting from the Holy Spirit and he comes to speak to him. Philip the Evangelist. We'll pick it up in 836. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. Notice that. They went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again but went in his way rejoicing. you got the idea. They walked down into a body of water and came up out of a body of water. Now, um, many churches such as Baptists, Church of Christ, Pentecostal, a whole bunch of others, believe in baptism by immersion, simply because it seems to be what is in the Scriptures. Um, and here we see the example. If, if sprinkling was the pattern of the early church, um, well, you know, being an important official, he'd have travelled a whole entourage of people, the Ethiopian eunuch, and so they've had heaps of water with them, they knew they were traveling through desert regions, so they could have stopped travelling somewhere and and just conducted a ceremony using the drinking water, but they rather waited until they came to a large enough body of water to walk down into the water and come back out a lot of there are seasonal streams throughout those regions, the wadi of Egypt being hmm so Why do we um, dump people? That's one reason. But have a look at what was written in the early Greek New Testament. The noun baptisma, that was what was chosen. The noun baptisma, consisting of the process of immersion, submersion, and emergence from bapto to dip. That was what the early New Testament writers chose as the word. It means to dip, rather than to sprinkle. So, another reason, the early churches that's writing about this, that's just the way they are, um, that was a word they chose. Now, uh, believe me, I'm, I have great respect for Anglicans, Methodists, um, you know, other movements, Presbyterians who, of course, sprinkle people. But a lot of their scholars know that wasn't the original way that was done. It's become part of their church tradition. Nikki Gumbel, one of the best courses ever created, the Alpha Course. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, Nicky, being an Anglican minister, usually he sprinkles people. But to quote Nicky's own words here, as he talks about the original words, um, the verb "baptizo" to baptize was used among the Greek to signify the dyeing of a garment or the drawing of water by dipping a vessel into another. Got the idea? Nicky Gumbel explains that what, what was the early word used? "Baptizo." It meant to dunk a garment down in the dye and bring it up. That was the early Greek meaning of the word. And if someone says to Nicky, "I really want to be baptised by immersion," he's all good with that, and he'll do the ceremony at a local Baptist church. <laughs> Seriously. Um, another to just give you another quote: uh, William Barclay. You heard me quote a lot from him last week. Actually, he's so good on New Testament culture. He's from a, a, a sprinkling background. But in his commentary from this very passage of Scripture, he says this, to these early Christians, baptism was, whenever possible, by immersion. So it's just, why do we dunk people? It's just the way the early church did it. And, and I, I personally think it tends to be, I think, a more powerful symbol.
1: We're not saved
0: in little bits, but the whole person is saved.
1: And so I do think
0: it's a, it's a powerful analogy. Number three. The early church baptized people by immersion. Number three, the early church baptized people by immersion. Now we we don't I know some Baptist churches will have a policy that no one can become a member unless they're baptized by immersion.
1: We don't have that policy.
0: Um, we, we simply say, look, if someone is from a Presbyterian, Anglican, Methodist, Uniting Church sort of background, one of the sprinkling backgrounds, which they would have been sprinkled as a baby probably, which we considered their baptism. But if they have, um, you know, stood up on stage and had, a, a, you know, a moment where they've had their confirmation, which is a public stand of their faith in Jesus Christ, we'd consider that acceptable. And so you can
1: still become a full
0: member having not been baptized by immersion. But um, it's simply, uh, it's good, I think, to look at the scripture and see what the original intended meanings were. What does baptism symbolise? Well, let's have a look here at Colossians two twelve. It says this: Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. The symbol, the symbol is one of dying to yourself under the water and being raised in newness of life out of the water—a symbol of what's already happened in your heart. In other words, you've been born again by the Spirit of God. Number four, baptism symbolized dying to self and new life in Christ. Number four, baptism symbolized dying to self and new life in Christ. Now, although it is a ceremony, and in a sense, I guess, therefore, it's a ritual, nevertheless, baptism is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. Um, let me uh, give you an example of this. For instance, I remember a chap uh, in my, one of my churches in the Crossway South. Um, his name was Victor. And Victor was from a Dutch Reform background and the Reformed the Reform backgrounds like Lutheran and Dutch Reform and so forth, they sprinkle people, you know, and their babies as part of their that's their baptism. Now that was the case for Victor, but he was listening on Light FM one day, and the, the preacher was talking about baptism by immersion as a believer, believers' baptism. You can't believe when you're a little bar, it's your parents
1: on behalf of your parents.
0: Um and he felt God spoke to him and he said to me, Lee. I think I, I think I need to be baptised. Now, Victor was a regular attender at our church at that point. Um, not involved in ministry, but a regular attender.
1: After that day he got
0: baptised, he got very active in ministry. From there on. Uh, we are, we, uh, in that particular church, we, we owned a sports centre and we did a lot of our midweek activity there. But uh, adjacent to the sports centre, we hired a theatre. It was such a beautiful venue. So, but that meant because we hired it, we didn't have it permanently, we just had it on the weekend, and uh, there was a lot of setup and pull down because there were theatre events that went, went on there. So, Victor got involved in the setup team, which is a busy team, very early start, and ended up heading up that team. And uh, our sports and he did a stack of renovations around the place, which was such a blessing, he ended up being elected onto our leadership. All that happened in the space of about two and a half years after he was baptized. And I just saw the growth in him from that point. He made that commitment and he just grew. There's something spiritual about making that decision of baptism. And it can be a spiritual moment too when you're baptized. I mean, I still remember the the uh, day I was baptized. I was quite a new Christian, come to faith in Christ, as I said, around about 22. I was baptized not long after that. Uh, I remember the day I was baptised um, I don't know if you've ever seen one other baptism before and I remember walking down into the water and I exclaimed, like oh it's warm I didn't know what to expect <laughs> so in a nice baptistry in the church <laughs> and, uh, so I get down into the water and when I, when I was dunked as Pastor Kim Valentine baptises me in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit dunks me as he brings me up out of the water it felt like static electricity all over my head it was just like just buzzing, you know, and um, anyway, I remember I still remember in the um, change rooms, there was a young lady baptized that day too, who went on to be a great worship leader, actually.
1: Um, and uh,
0: anyway, I remember in the change rooms, I had guys and girls, and uh, there with Kim, oh, it was a pretty big thing for me because I had shared my testimony, you know, and never done anything like that before at church. Man, I was shaking the whole time, just my hands just going like this. Um, and so, being a big dad, I said to Kim, Oh, the pastor, oh, Kim. It's all over. And he said, no, no, Lee. No, no, it's just beginning. Just beginning. And that's one of the important things to realize, that baptism is an early step. It's not like uh, one of the young ladies said to me, um, she was concerned that she had to kind of work her way up to baptism, had to be holy enough. She's just a new believer. She's 17. And I said, no, no, it's it's an early step. It's a beginning step. Um, So I'll tell you one more. This is a funny one.
1: And a lot of you
0: don't fish. But to explain a little bit about fishing, I do fish, as many of you know, freshwater fishing especially. You you might have seen a documentary or something, or for those who do fish, you've probably seen this out in the rivers, sometimes a trout just leap out of the water, grab a dragonfly or a grasshopper and back into the water, munch, munch. Um, you know, come up like this. Well, I was, we had six people being baptised at my church in Sydney and... um. One of these guys, his name was Craig, married to Jenny, he used to remember their names. So Jenny Craig. Yeah. <laughs> they used to say that to help us remember their names. They came to a Christmas outreach and gave their hearts to Christ, and not long after that, they, they were baptized. And um, anyway, I remember when um, I was about to do Craig, said, "You know, I baptized you now in the name of, of Jesus." the name of the Holy Spirit, the name of the Father. And I'm just about to dunk him. And he's like a fish. He just just shot out of my hands. Pull him back down. (laughs) But he was a new believer, and I was actually doing some one-on-one discipleship with him. And he told me the next week, he says, at that point when you you were saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. When When you did that, I felt like a bolt of electricity went through the top of my head, right through the soles of my feet. So for him, it was a deeply spiritual moment. So it can be a spiritual moment too. And we're going to see in a scripture, the Holy Spirit is sometimes a part of the baptisms in a very dynamic way. Such as this scripture, Luke 3, 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. That's pretty dramatic, isn't it? Well, it's Pentecost Sunday today. We need to be mentioning the Holy Spirit, absolutely. Can I suggest this? Number five, baptism is a spiritual event. Number five, baptism is a spiritual event. It's, uh, there can be a dramatic encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a ceremony. Let me read the, the longer account of Jesus' baptism. So we have a look at this here? Uh, Matthew 3.13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And John tried to deter him, this is John the Baptist, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, it, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. It's I mean, a moment of, of, of real humility, I think, modelled by Jesus here. Here is the almighty, divine Son of God, and yes, he's coming to a significant prophet, great man of God, John the Baptist, but... He's nevertheless, he's just a human being. And here we see the almighty son of God coming to a a regular bloke and he's going to be baptised by him. I I see humility in that. But can I suggest, I'll learn from this, I actually think there needs to be a measure of humility for anyone who's going to be baptised. Seriously. Because um, you you remember me saying last week when I was defining humility. And I said, um, you know... You look up a dictionary, it doesn't say humility is about putting yourself down. No, it says it is a sober estimate of yourself, a
1: careful estimate of
0: yourself. Not an inflated one, but not one that's deflated either. It's an accurate image of yourself. But a biblical understanding of humility is actually an absence of self. And remember I mentioned the woman who washed Jesus' feet last week and I said for her to come into that room when she knew the Pharisees would be judging her
1: she needed a measure of
0: humility to do that, an absence of self, because if she was thinking about what well, they're all going to be thinking about me, she'd never have done it. Baptism's a little like that in the sense if you have to stand up in front of a bunch of people and uh, if you're really self-conscious, you're going to struggle to do that. But the commitment is that I'm doing it for Jesus. My focus is on him. There's an absence of self. Rather, my focus I'm do- its on Jesus. I'm doing it for him. Going through the passage, it says uh, Matthew 3 and looking at 16 now, same passage. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Bunch of things in that passage. First of all, one of the reasons to be baptized is because it fulfills righteousness. Can we say that? Number six, baptism fulfills righteousness. Remember, John, John was, you know, he felt inadequate. I shouldn't be the one baptizing the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said, it's proper for us to do this, John. It fulfills righteousness. Another good reason to be baptized is um, what we just heard, read there from the scriptures, where God the Father speaks. What did he say? I'm well pleased. Number seven, baptism pleases God the Father.
1: Baptism pleases
0: God the Father. And really most significant at all in this passage and at the end of one of the um, baptism testimonies actually that, uh, um, that, uh, that I read was that one of the people wrote this, that the reason they are being baptized is because Jesus modeled it and they want to be more like Jesus. Number eight, baptism was modelled by Jesus. Number eight, baptism was modelled by Jesus. A good reason to be baptised. I wonder how soon after salvation, though, should a person be baptised? How soon after salvation should a person be baptised? Well, let me read from a passage from the day of Pentecost, how it happened that day. Acts 2.38 Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off and for all who the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And one of the people I was doing the study with was Adam, he's a brand new believer. And I asked Adam the question. He read that scripture and then I said to him, how soon do you think um, the people were baptised um,
1: you know,
0: after salvation? And he said, well, he paused for just a moment. And then he said, well, right away, right away. And actually that is what you see. Mostly in scripture, people tended to be baptised pretty much right after they gave their lives to Christ. Uh, I'm not sure what's happened in our church journey, now, Baptists included, we seem to take a long time over it. But actually, the biblical pattern was they tended to do it pretty much right away. If you're genuinely saved, should be baptised. Can I suggest this one? Point number nine. Generally, baptism took place shortly after conversion. Talking the first century church, generally, baptism took place shortly after conversion. Now, the day of Pentecost is a day to celebrate the birth of the church.
1: It's a day to
0: celebrate the encounter of the Holy Spirit. And it's also a day to celebrate baptism. Three very important things. Now, I wonder today, as I've been speaking, there might be some of you today, you have not yet been baptised as a believer. What a wonderful day to make that decision, the day of Pentecost. What a wonderful day to make that decision.
1: So at the back of the church there,
0: there is an opportunity if you want to pop your name down and say, hey, yep, look, I am, I'm interested in baptism. Just go to the information table there, and
1: pop your name down,
0: leave your number, I'll give you a call. Very happy. How do we do it? I usually meet with whoever it is being baptized. It takes about 45 minutes to go through a baptism study so you know what the scriptures say about it. Um, secondly, um, we'll have a look at your story, how you came to faith in Jesus. And that's it. It's really just catching up twice.
1: Uh, but let me encourage
0: you. You haven't been baptised as a believer. It's an important
1: step. It'll
0: help you grow spiritually. And look, the bottom line, Jesus modelled it. It pleases God the Father. That's got to,
1: those two reasons alone
0: are good enough, I think. Well, so uh, just to remind people, we have a baptism service coming up on the 16th, of Friday the 16th. We do it on a Friday. Friday the 16th of June 7pm here. So we'll Typical service, It will have some praise and worship at the start. I will preach, usually something that's geared up for people who don't normally come to church because there will probably be some visitors of the families who don't normally do church. Then we'll hear the stories, testimonies, as we often say in the church, of those who are being baptised. And then finally, we actually go to the Arabic part, the Arabic auditorium, because they've got a baptistry in their part of the auditorium, and conduct the ceremony there. Uh, So that's coming up. Friday the 16th of June, 7 p.m. Let me finish with this final story. Uh, One of our baptism candidates, Nicole, she's reading this book right now as I speak. It's called Heavenly Man, written by Brother Ung. He's like an apostle Paul to China, seriously. This guy got saved in the 70s as a young lad and um, God really got a hold of him. He started sharing the gospel, leading many people to Christ, healing the sick, planting churches, awesome man of God. Amazing book, actually, worth a read if you haven't read it. Um,
1: one of the things that
0: they had to face, though, in the province of Hanan
1: in China
0: was it was illegal to be a Christian. And so to run something like a baptism ceremony, well, you can get arrested for that. And so what they would do is 12 o'clock at night in winter when they felt the religious police would be in their warm beds, they would go out to a river. But in winter, you literally had to chisel away the ox. Freezing cold, and I don't know if you've ever had, I've had my arms in water at that sort of temperature. Man, after about 15, 20 seconds, it feels like you're being stabbed with a knife. It really is cold. Yet there in the middle of the night, these guys, usually one or 200, would go and be baptized. But it wasn't just the freezing cold there was always the danger of being arrested. And for their leaders,
1: they'd end up in prison
0: and they'd end up being tortured. That's exactly what happened ultimately to Brother Ung and other leaders. You read the story. Before. When you think about their commitment to be baptised, whereas here in Australia, generally, perhaps it might be different if you're from a Muslim background here, depending on your family connections and so forth, but for most of us, being baptised, you're not going to get persecuted. Say to people, hey, when you think of our brothers and sisters around the world, we make the stand, sometimes at serious risk, how much more should we make that stand? As the worship team returns, let me pray for you. Father, here today,
1: we've dug into the
0: scriptures. And one of the things that um, Lord, I know as a church that we desire is that we correctly divide the word of God. Because ultimately, that's what it's all about. What does these scriptures teach? It's not, not about necessarily my church history. It's not necessarily about my own personal background. It's not necessarily about my own thoughts. It's about well, what does God himself say through the inspired scriptures? And so here today, as we unpack this concept of baptism, as you've given us plenty of information about it, Lord, and we thank you for that. We want to pray that uh, we might be a people who want to live out the teachings of scripture For your glory, Jesus.
1: Amen. Let's be upstanding.